Mike check one two one two. I'm back. Mike check one two one two. I'm back. A taste to consider podcast. I'm back. Let's go. Yes. Mic check, one, two, one, two. I'm back for another episode. Another week has ended. Another week close to begin. It's getting warm outside. The streets about to open up. You know how it goes. Spring is almost here. That warm weather is about to be upon us. And the streets will open despite the pandemic. (laughs) Let's start the show. It feels so good to be back. Indeed, it does. It's a taste to consider podcast. I'm your host, Derek Silver, and I'm back. Back for another episode. Another week has gone by. About time it's the weekend. But soon as I finish this episode, it'll be time to get ready for work tomorrow. I swear Saturday is the only free day we have for the weekend. Forget Friday evening or night. Forget Sunday. It's only Saturday. We only have Saturday. Sunday is the day that you get ready to go back to work. People who complain and all that other stuff, they getting prepared for the case of the Mondays. Friday night, you just... Glad to be done with work for the week, and Saturday is your only free day. Ah, damn it. (laughs) Let me start out with my drink for tonight. I'm having a a familiar taste. It's a Larceny uh, whiskey. Matter of fact, I left the bottle all the way over (laughs) on the other side of the the basement, (laughs) the other side of the room. And I'm almost finished this glass. This was my uh, pregame glass, and I'm almost finished. (laughs) Should I get up and go get it? Yeah, let me go get it. Let me uh, pause the show. I'm back. I got the bottle. And I grabbed some uh, ice cubes out the (laughs) the refrigerator, (laughs) just in case. Just in case. Uh, Like I said, I'm drinking the Larceny, a familiar taste. Uh, Larceny, small batch. Weeded bourbon mash bill whiskey. 92 proof, 46% alcohol. Um, yeah, this is one of my favorites right now. Um, I never finished the bottle from the last time that I had it from when I first drank it on the show. I think that was like two episodes ago. Um, but yeah, I'm almost finished. Um, I usually. I really don't drink a lot, honestly. Um, It's a guarantee that I will drink every week because of the show. And I might have a taste on uh, Friday evening, depending on how the week go, if I had anything to celebrate or if I needed just to wind down from the week. Um, And I may have a taste on Sunday when I go over to my parents' house. And, you know, my dad, he'll always offer me a drink. (laughs) He'll always offer me some vodka. He he sticks with the white. He drinks um, absolute vodka. This is actually a pretty good vodka. I'll give it to him. That's a, actually it's a it's an inexpensive 
vodka, but it's good. It don't leave you with no hang, no crazy hangover or nothing like that. It's a good vodka, smooth vodka. Um, my mom, she'll try to get me to drink some wine or something, or um, she like to drink those uh, cinnamon whiskeys. And I enjoy the cinnamon whiskeys, so um, I'll have a taste of that sometimes. But other than that, I really don't drink throughout the week or nothing like that. You know, I'll usually drink just socially or for the show. But the cigar that I had for tonight is the cigar that I had for the last show that I didn't smoke. Um, but it's the Camacho, uh, Connecticut. Um, yeah, I haven't sparked it up yet. Um, honestly, I don't even know if I'm going to spark it up this, for this show. I might just wait till later. Um, honestly, I'm just not in the mood to smoke a cigar right now, honestly. But it's here, sitting here, just in case if I change my mind, I may smoke it, uh, later on tonight while I'm chilling or something. Um... Yeah, but I'm feeling good. Um, uh, I just finished getting the siding done on my townhouse. It's been a, <laughs> it's overdue. I'll say it's overdue. It's been overdue. Um, initially, uh, I've been in this house for nine years. When I first got the house, they had wood siding on it, and it was cool. Um, it was straight. Uh, the people who fixed the house up before I purchased it financed it, whatever you want to call it. Um, did a good job with everything. Um, but over time, uh, the wood siding started to rot in certain areas and it started to become a problem. And then I was having issues with like, uh, carpenter bees and carpenter ants, uh, messing up certain portions of the wood from the outside and stuff like that. So, yeah, this shit has been overdue, and I'm so glad, I'm so grateful <laughs> to God. I'm so grateful, you know, that I have the money to get this done, I'm, you know, because anybody who's a homeowner know that being a homeowner can be stressful at times when it's time to get things done or when things break down and stuff like that. So one thing that um, I recommend, like, any uh, homeowner now or future homeowner, Make sure you get home warranties. Home warranties, like I got a home warranty. I got a couple of home warranties. I got um, a home warranty that covers pretty much all the all the things in the house, appliances and stuff like that. Then I got another home warranty that covers like uh, underground plumbing issues, underground piping and stuff like that. And even the 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 first home warranty that I mentioned. It covers underground plumbing, but it only covers it to a certain extent. For example, I had an issue, uh, I believe it was, it was two years ago. Uh, was it 20, 2021? 2019, I had an issue with a underground pipe in my front yard. And my initial home warranty, the, the first one that I mentioned, didn't cover it. Covered the actual work of digging and all that other stuff to fix it from the outside. They covered it from finding out what the problem was from the inside. Um, and I forgot I even had the second warranty. But um, for some reason, when the first warranty said they, they wasn't going to cover it, and then I was going to have to come out of pocket, and this was going to be like a few thousand dollars <laughs> to do all of this. And then um, 
something just popped in my mind. I just caught divine intervention. Popped, it popped in my mind that I had another warranty, and that warranty absolutely covered everything that had to be done outside with the uh, with the plumbing issue, fixing the pipe, changing it, and all that other stuff. Absolutely covered it. And the uh, contractors that got sent out here from the first home warranty accepted the second warranty as well. So I didn't have to go through this big old process of trying to find the second contractor and all this other stuff because they were funded by both warranties. So, and I got an older, I have an older house, but it was uh, renovated. So it doesn't even matter if your house is a, is an older house. You can still purchase a home warranty. And I pay like 70 something dollars a month for this home warranty. And I have a deductible of $100 if I need to get anything fixed. And I've had to use it uh, a few times. You know, uh, nothing major has all been like small stuff. The The only major thing was two years ago with the plumbing issue. So, you know, it'll save you thousands of dollars. I only you pay like a hundred dollars or something like that, a little a small deductible, and you'll have your problems, you know, taken care of. Granted, some of the contractors be bojangling, you know what I'm saying? They be like small businesses and stuff like that. I ain't even gonna go into that because <laughs> the issue with the plumbing stuff and the contractor who did it, <laughs> yeah, that shit was that shit was crazy. All the stuff that I had to go through with their asses. But um what else? Oh yeah. Matter of fact, I was, you know what I'm saying, I was getting the siding done on the house. It was a four-day job. And yesterday, no, not yesterday, the day before yesterday, Thursday. Today is Saturday. So Thursday evening. Um, I was real busy. I work I'm working from home right now because of the, the uh the pandemic and teleworking. So I was real busy Thursday. So a lot of times um, I do intermittent fasting. So that means like I don't eat till like one o'clock in the evening or in the afternoon. So sometimes I be going past that time because I'm so used to doing it. You know, I drink my water and my tea throughout the day and stuff like that. And then I'll eat lunch around like one, one thirty. I break my fast around that time. So this time I didn't do it. So it was like almost damn near four o'clock <laughs> and I didn't eat anything. So I was like, damn, I got to go get something. I don't, I ain't have no, uh, no groceries in the house for me, something for me to just, you know, quickly fix. All, all the stuff I had was in the freezer. So I ain't have time to uh, defrost nothing. So I just had to run out and get some fast food. Something that I've, I've been trying not to do because I've been getting back into working out and stuff like that. So I decided I was going to go to uh, Bojangles right around the corner from the house. Five-minute drive, if that. So I'm sitting at, at the light, about to make a left turn. So the light turns green, a left green arrow as well as the regular green. So people can turn left and go straight. So I'm, I'm right at the front of the light. I make my left turn, make my left turn on the uh, the new street. This guy from the opposite side of the street making the right turn he makes a right turn into the right lane i'm already in the left lane on the new street i see this bama coming right over boom smacks me right in the back of my car on the uh the, the back passenger side on my uh rear fender and then it's crazy because like i saw i saw when he was about to hit me it was like the shit was happening in slow motion 
the dude wasn't paying attention at all. Like, how could you not see my car? <laughs> and w- once he hit me, he threw his he threw his arms up as if, you know, it was my fault. So that shit pissed me off right there. <laughs> it pissed me the hell off. Like, I've talked about in the past how much of a firecracker that, you know, I used to be in the rip in me had came out so i put my car in park and i jumped out the car because i'm like you seriously trying to act like you wasn't at fault for this accident so then i had like internally i had to calm myself down because i wanted like i'm just being honest i wanted to slap him i wanted to slap him palm open slap his ass <laughs> for hitting my car because i i've had this car for two years and this was my first uh accident in it and it was on some stupid shit. Like, nigga really wasn't paying attention. How you go from the right lane to the left lane and never see my silver, bright silver car, and you hit that jump with your pickup truck? And I don't even, and it everything happened so fast, I don't even think he had damage to his car. But I got, like, damage to my, my fender area and stuff. So, yeah. Crazy. <laughs> but, um... Let's move on from that because I can I can feel the the fire rising in me. Let me take a sip. Yeah, but um like I said, moving along. If you don't know, now you know. The Biggie documentary came out on uh Notorious BIG documentary came out on um Netflix. Uh, March 1st, and I watched it. If you if you haven't been listening to the show and don't know, I'm a documentary guy. I love documentaries, particularly, you know, when it's, I prefer the documentaries over biopics, so I was excited for this Biggie documentary because Biggie didn't, ha- you know, he don't have a lot of documentaries on, on him, uh, you know, compared to, like, if, you, if we want to go there, compared to, like, Tupac, there's, like, tons of documentaries out on Tupac, so... I was excited for this Biggie documentary, you know, just to learn some new stuff about him, just, you know, see footage and stuff like that. I enjoy stuff like that. So um, the documentary was like an hour and 30-something minutes long. I, it was a good documentary. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed uh, seeing the footage of it, the music and all that other stuff. But I kind of feel like, you know, it was rushed. And I kind of, I was sitting there wanting more you know, from the documentary. Um, but it wasn't a bad documentary. It was a, it was a real good documentary. Um, but I just, I was just sitting there waiting, wanting more, you know. So that's not necessarily a bad thing, you know. I still think it was a, a, a good documentary, but I was just sitting there wanting more. I felt like they could have put a little bit more stuff in there. Um, and, of course, Coming to America is out the sequel to the original Coming to America. This is not a remake, because I've been seeing a lot of people on Twitter talking about how this is a remake. They shouldn't have remade it. Like, this is not a remake. This is a sequel. Um, I haven't watched it yet. It, it actually came out. They said it was going to come out Friday, but it actually came out Thursday uh, evening. Um, I haven't watched it yet, but I've been seeing people talk about it on Twitter and stuff, and it's, it's, it's been mixed reviews. But I'm going to watch it regardless because I look at it like I'm not I'm not sitting there comparing it to the first one. I just want to 
I just want to see the characters again. I just want to, you know, enjoy some comedy and stuff like that. So, um, it's definitely a lot of people been comparing it to the first one, which you shouldn't do. It's a totally different movie. Granted, it's the sequel, you know, but just enjoy it for what it is. Uh, but uh, I will definitely watch it this weekend, probably tonight or maybe tomorrow. I don't know. But next week when I record, I will have uh, my review of it. But I don't expect anything bad from it, honestly. <laughs> Uh, Eddie Murphy, he's a genius in my eyes when it comes to comedy. I feel like one of his best movies was Norbit, but people trash that movie all the time. But if you sit sit down and really watch that movie and not just think about any shenanigans or anything like that, no, as you know, us blackity black folks say coonish things, that movie is, is hilarious. That movie is hilarious as hell. <laughs> Norbit. I love that damn movie. Oh, man. I'm sitting here and I didn't turn my uh, projector off in my basement. Usually I turn it off so I can concentrate on recording. But um, it's a video on right now and the dude in the video straight, they keep showing scenes of him walking up to the to the girl in the video and him putting his, his hand around her neck. <laughs> Like he still has like it's been five minutes and he his hand has been around her neck in multiple in different positions. <laughs> All right, let me let me focus. Let me focus. Um uh you if you ain't heard all that stuff that's been coming out about Dr. Seuss and some of his old um I guess it's his books or whatever. I ain't really pay attention to his books or drawings or something with racist content and stuff in it. But I just thought it was, and then, you know, people was jumping out talking about some like, you know, excuse me, burp number one. People were saying, you know, we going to cancel, cancel Dr. Seuss, cancel Dr. Seuss. And I'm just sitting there thinking to myself, man, as much as us Disney and Marvel fans, uh, Love the you know love the Disney movies and Marvel movies and stuff like that. They must have forgot about you know Walt Disney, so we ain't be having to cancel Walt Disney too. So it's like what you going <laughs> what you going to do? And that just goes back to the stuff where people be like you know uh, don't support this, don't support that, you know don't support this white business, don't support that white business. But majority of the stuff that's that's out here is owned by white businesses and you just don't know like i've heard stories about timberland out timberland boots and stuff like that i heard stories about tommy hill figure stuff like that but it's like what what you going to do like people won't boycott the white stuff because of the popularity around it and the white design is because of the popularity around it and then they won't support the black people because they feel like the black people charging too much and all this other stuff. It's just, this shit just be all over the place, man. I swear, sometimes it be frustrating. Not frustrating, it be exhausting being in the blackity black realm of things because it's so many contradictions in in that in that, that world. As well as, you know, all the contradictions in, in society, period. But it's like, people forget about the, the contradictions in in those little small little groups and those worlds and those little sections and stuff of feminism and all that other stuff. And it's like, sometimes I don't, 
I feel like we don't be thinking when we be opening our mouth. And I'm saying we too because I'm in on it. I ain't I ain't above nobody and I ain't better than nobody. But, you know, I think sometimes we need we get so caught up into our emotions and just burst out and speak on stuff and, and all that. And we don't take a, take a, a step back and, you know, kind of analyze what's really going on and the contradictions with things and stuff like that, the double standards and stuff. Um, yeah, crazy. So speaking of that, <laughs> let's get on Jay-Z. And y'all know I talked about uh, Jay-Z uh, on, this was actually, I think it was my top, my uh, my number two most streamed episode of uh, my first season. Was it my first season or second season? But anyway, it was the the second most streamed episode of my podcast. Um Matter of fact, it was the first season. Yeah, first season. Um, capitalism. That was the name of the episode. Uh, capitalism with a K. I, I um, went around and named it Capitalism based off of uh, Colin Kaepernick. And that episode was around the time when uh, Jay-Z had formed a partnership with uh, the NFL and stuff like that. And I talked about, you know, that stuff with him forming that partnership, Colin Kaepernick and the Popeye's Chicken Sandwich when it was the biggest rave in the world at that time. <laughs> but, um, yeah, Jay-Z, he made – I didn't really do too much research on it. I just saw the shit on uh, social media. Uh, it's just certain stuff that I just don't – if I have the time, I'll look at it. If not, I don't need – sometimes I just look at stuff and glance over, take a screenshot, and, and keep it moving. I don't – I don't be trying to put my energy too much into it because, like, like I say, you get caught up into your emotions and stuff like that, and you just be it's a snowball effect. You be down the the hill arguing with people, debating people, and all that other stuff. And I just ain't got time for that shit. But uh, Jay Z, he made two deals. He sold his uh, uh, what was it? Champagne company. I forgot the name of it. Ace was it Ace of Spades? I don't know. See, now I got to look. I should have looked it up before I recorded. And I was saying this, too, when I was pre-gaming. I was like, let me look this stuff up. But I was too busy pre-gaming and dancing in the basement to the music and stuff. <laughs> um, uh, let me see. Uh, let me see if it comes up by just typing in his name. Um, uh, all right, let me try it again. Uh, Jay-Z. Um, yeah, because he got a couple of um, alcohol brands. Okay. Um, oh, shit. I clicked on the wrong gym. Uh Damn, I'm sorry. I'm wasting time. Y'all sitting here. Y'all going to be sitting in your cars or in your home and stuff, and I'm sitting here wasting time. Um Yeah, well, we know that he made a a, um, a deal, and it's okay. Moet Hennessy buys fifty percent stake in Jay Z Champagne um, brand. And that was the first deal that he made. That was back in uh, late February, um, and he just recently made a another 
deal with um, his title, um, streaming company. And it says, Square acquires title and $297 million deal. Um, it's, a, it's a partnership. Um, they they bought the majority shares of they Square acquires majority of title Jay Z streaming service for two hundred and ninety seven million dollars, and Jay Z is on the board now. He's he's on the board, so he doesn't own the company. He's not the majority owner of the company, and he's on the board. So on Twitter. Um, even on social media period, uh, people was up in arms about it. The you know blackity black folks and the semi woke folks and stuff like that. And then you got the the uh, the I don't want to be mean, so I'll just say the regular folks <laughs> that's you know supporting it. And I think it's good on both ends. I mean, I I agree on both sides. I agree with the blackity black side, and I agree with the regular folks side. I agree with it's a good business deal. Both of them are great business deals. Jay-Z's a businessman, and he be making them good-ass business deals. So, uh, honestly, I'm not mad at him because I know what to expect from Jay-Z. Jay-Z is a capitalist, and this is what I talked about on that, on the that show, capitalism. Jay-Z is a capitalist, so I never expected anything different from him. You know, even with the NFL deal and, and the, the quote-unquote social justice aspect of it and stuff like that. But you know, people uh has been have been celebrating the deals that he's made and other people have been uh like, you know, going on him saying that, you know, now you talked about all this black business stuff and all that other stuff, but now you you selling your business to a white company and all that. And, you know, I agree with this same way, but I mean, when it comes down to it, I'm I'm not tripping off of it. I'm honestly not tripping off of it because I already know what to expect from Jay Z. Jay-Z is a capitalist, and he's made moves like this throughout his whole career, starting from uh, rock, rock Aware. This is what he's done. So, you know, I agree, I agree with both sides, um, but it's really not a big deal to me. I mean, it's a great deal, and, and yeah, he's kind of – I can I see what, when people were saying that, you know, he's using – the trend, the trends of social justice or social injustice and stuff like that to, you know, capitalize off of. And I agree that's what he's doing. But at the same time, like I said, I'm not mad at him because I already know this from Jay-Z, seeing how he's moved in the business deals that he's made in the past. You think about the 444 album and stuff like that. That was a great, that was great. That was great marketing. That was great. I mean, with all the stuff that was going on around that time, and he made that album to be more socially conscious, it was great marketing. Not to say that he don't believe in it, because Jay-Z has done uh, things, uh, a lot of charitable things within the community. Um, him and uh, his wife, you know, bailing uh, protesters out of jail and stuff like that. So I'm not, you know, I'm not mad at him. Jay-Z... He's literally in the middle. He's a capitalist, but at the same time, he's going to do some good things, you know. So, um, yeah, that's my take. <laughs> oh, man. But guess what? We about to get them stammies. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I believe, um, what was it, yesterday or, or today, 
the uh, Senate passed the the relief fund, the COVID relief fund, one point nine uh, trillion dollars. So now it's moving on to the House, and then uh, Biden will sign it. So everybody looks at it as though the House is going to sign it. So I mean, we'll get them. I I read an article the other day that said. Some people will start getting their stemmies by um, this weekend, this weekend coming up, the next weekend, uh, after, around March 13th or after that. So if everything goes according to plan, I know I'll be getting my $1,400 uh, next week So, because I got both of my stimulus checks uh, pretty early. And I'm, I'm so thankful that, you know, um, I'm – <laughs> I'm getting, you know, all this stuff is happening when it did because if it would have happened, you know, after <laughs> after my taxes were filed for my new salary, I wouldn't be getting no stimmies. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, you know, like I said, on both sides of the coin, you got the blackity black world, you got the regular folk, and you and you got your semi woke people too. So I was seeing on social media people talking like some, oh, oh, y'all going crazy over this stemmy and all this other stuff. I understand what they're saying, but I can use any money, any free money that I didn't already have in my bank account or in my pocket. I'm going to use it wisely to my advantage and however the hell I want to use it. So, yeah, of course, don't sell. We shouldn't, you know, people shouldn't have sold their votes for fourteen. the promise of $1,400. But at the same time, don't, you know, criticize and judge people for being excited about having some money that they didn't have already, you know, because it could be it could go to something. It could go to some bill or anything, because there's a lot of people out here that have been hurting. My whole thing is everybody is just people out here just complain about everything. And it's funny because people will say that about me and I'll be like, what the hell are y'all talking about? Just because I have a different opinion than yours, I'm complaining. But whatever. Yeah, them stimmies is coming. One thing that um, has been concerning me lately, though, is uh, my parents. My parents recently got uh, their first shot of the vaccine. And um, let me look at my mom's text message to figure out exactly which one that they got again, because I can't remember offhand. Um, I think she said it was the Moderna one. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I ain't gonna lie. I'm honestly been, have been concerned about them getting the vaccine. It was crazy because at first they said they weren't gonna get it, but now they, they got it. So I don't know what happened or what, what changed with them not getting it to now getting it. But yeah, so they got their first shot, um, my mom said her arm was sore. Um, my dad, he didn't go to work the next day from what my mom said. Um, yeah, but I'm still not getting that damn shot. And I'm concerned, though, because, you know, they're older. And the stuff that I've seen on social media about certain people, um, I don't even, I'm not even going to speak it. But I'm concerned. I, I've been concerned. I'm not going to lie about that. I've been concerned. So you can um basically gather what concerns I've I've had about them getting the 
the vaccine. So, yeah, um, I've heard other stories about people who've gotten the vaccine and how they felt sick afterwards. Some of them felt terribly sick after getting the vaccine. Um, yeah, but I mean, as you know, with vaccines, they base they're they're essentially giving you the disease. They're essentially giving you whatever disease they're trying to prevent. They're putting it in your system. Um, and what's what's concerning about the COVID vaccine, um, from all the reading that I've done, is how it it's it has a possibility, if not certainty, of uh, restructuring your DNA. Um, but I'm not going to go all into heavy into that because people look at it like it's a conspiracy theory and all that other stuff. But, yeah, I've been concerned about it. So, And another thing that I saw pop up was that a lot of well, I ain't going to say a lot, but I've seen some countries so far say they're not even going to let you over unless you gotten the vaccine. And what has been popping up is what they call vaccine passports. So I was sitting there thinking last night, I was like, man, this damn vaccine is just like, you know how people talk about the mark of the beast. I just, I looked at I was like, man, this this damn vaccine is like the damn mark of the beast, man. <laughs> it's just it's pretty much about to about to be uh a, a, a situation where you can't do certain stuff unless you have this vaccine. So like how how pressed are you to travel or do whatever or go here and go there and move move quote unquote freely, you know. How bad you want it? How bad you want to go back to traveling and doing the things that you used to do and stuff if they start implementing uh mandates or something about you can't you can't go you can't go nowhere, you can't do this unless you have the vaccine. I guess I'm about to I'm used to I'm used to socially distancing before the social distance. <laughs> so I'm good. Like I talked about it in the previous episode. Was I think it was called living in living in quarantine or something like that. <laughs> like I'm used to it, so you know it's, it is going to be what it is. And ain't like I ain't never been nowhere before. <laughs> but um, yeah, man. I mean, this is the world. This is the world we living in now. I mean. <laughs> Yeah, the episode was called Living in Social Distance. It was uh last last May season two episode. So yeah. I talked about in that episode how I've shoot, I've been living a life of social distance for, for a while, you know, uh dealing with social anxiety. So I'm used to, you know, chilling in the house with myself and, you know, just keeping the low profile and stuff. <laughs> But um, last episode, I talked about how um, I was looking for a new therapist, and I will keep you updated. And the my former, I've had two former therapists uh, recently. Um, the one that I I was 
working with for a couple of years. Uh, she was a black woman, and um, I I had several breakthroughs uh, working with her, um, revelations, um, growth. But it was time to move on. Um, it was nothing negative or anything like that, but it was time to move on. Uh, just like any relationship, sometimes it's time to move on. Uh, so I felt as though that I needed a, a black man as as my new therapist. So, you know, I, I took a recommendation that she gave me. And it was actually one of the people that when I was looking up therapists myself, he was on my list. So I decided that I was going to go uh, with him. And I had a few sessions with him. I think it was like four or five. And as I said on the last episode, I kind of felt as though um, he gave great advice on things, but it was kind of generalized. Um, the advice that he was giving, it wasn't specific to my struggles. It wasn't specific specific to the healing that I needed and the growth that I needed. Um, everything was just matter of fact with him. Uh, I didn't really feel like he he uh, understood and heard what I was seeking for as far as therapy. So I felt like it was time to move on from him. And I took sort of a break from from therapy. And I was, I was going to take a longer break. But, um, yeah, life happens. So... Um, I decided that, you know, I don't, I don't, I had enough of, of a break. You know, I need to get back in there and start doing this work. So I went back to the list that I uh, put together when I first started going to him. So uh, I reached out to a few of them on my list and two of them got back to me. Uh, one of them, he didn't have any uh, openings at the moment, but he said he'll still give me a free consult. Um, because he should have an opening in the cup in the coming weeks, but a, one of the others he did get back to me said he had openings, so you know filled out all the information, da 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 da. So I have an appointment uh, this coming Wednesday uh, with a new therapist. He's a black male, so um, it should be interesting. Um, based off of my experiences with the last guy. I definitely am wiser going into this relationship with this therapist so I know what to tell him as far as what I'm looking for, what I want, and I can move on a little quicker when, when and I'm not going to say when, if I don't, you know, receive what I'm looking for. So... I'll keep you updated on when I meet when I talk to you next week, you know, I'll be able to speak on that first session. So, I got two clips that I'm going to discuss um and then, you know, in the show there. So, let me start with the first clip. Let me pull it up. All right, let me cue it. One second. One of my lowest moments happened, you know, two, three weeks ago when I got that call, you know, yo, um, you need to come by. And I knew there was a problem because I got a call from an immediate family member, but you normally don't call me. 
And I called from three other people, wait, how do you even get my number when my number changed in December? So I knew it was an issue. And I called my brother right away. And then he answered the phone crying. I just hung up. I already knew what time it was. And so then I mentally prepared myself to bury my old girl. And Go. Yeah. That was forever. That was that was from the first person you ever saw, first person you ever remember, to now. You know, my mom my mom had she had breast cancer and now she had skin cancer. And when all that happens I think about it. Well this is we're not we're not immortal. Well we everybody has an expiration date. And to deal with that, why don't, why don't we, to y'all's point, why don't we talk to each other? Like, Chad, you just said, your support system is small. We so cool with each other. Our kids play together. We hang out. We party. We gamble. Why don't men talk to each other about stuff like this? Why won't I, why won't I having a tough time? Do I not call y'all? Like what, what, what Brandon said just a few minutes ago, <clears throat> you know, like uh, Z, Ziggy. Z and Ziggy, yeah, Z is the boy, yep. Right, Z, you, you teach your son to be strong and be tough. You, you, you play football, they say you, you, you're, you know, you're a warrior, is what the coaches told you your entire life, right? You're a gladiator. So you're supposed to be tough. And a lot of guys can't separate the field from, from life. You've seen that before. Where everything they do is, is 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 football, you know what I'm saying? And um, that toughness it, it carries over into real life. And for that, a lot of guys don't want to share or, or look weak. Yeah, that was um, that clip. Um, the person who was talking at the beginning of the clip that was. Uh, Chad Johnson, a.k.a. Well, B.K.A., better known as Ocho Cinco. Um, he was talking about his mom passing. And this was on the podcast, I Am Athlete podcast, with um, with Chad Ocho Cinco, Brandon Marshall, Shannon Crowder, and Fred Taylor, all uh, former NFL players. And uh, the title of that um that clip says, why don't we as black men talk to each other more? And it was interesting that I came across that clip because um, recently uh, I posted um, on social media about, uh, I posted this, this, um, this message right here. It says, in boys, depression looks like anger and aggression. At a young age, we are taught to directly or indirectly that it is socially acceptable to react to strong emotions violently. We need to teach our boys emotional self-regulation skills that can use, that they can use to cope with stress. I posted, um, that was somebody else's words, I posted their tweet. And then uh, in the caption, this is what I wrote. Men are taught 
to express our feelings. Men are taught to not express our feelings. I'm just totally messing it up. Let me let me start again to get this right. <laughs> Men are taught to express our feelings through anger, aggression, and a healthy competition. Society has conditioned us to not get in touch with our feelings and even know what our feelings are. Quote, what are you feeling? End quote. That's what my therapist would ask me often in our sessions. I get caught up in confusing my thoughts with my feelings because as a man, I'm not used to knowing what I'm feeling or choose to suppress those feelings. Being a man, expressing your feelings and being in touch with them isn't solved. It's actually being strong because you are in control of yourself and allow yourself to heal and grow by not suppressing. I can go on and on, needless to say, be a man and seek help. And yeah, it's, I say this all the time on, on the show, how my shows come together. It's just like, I don't have to, it's a lot of work, like putting together like the outline and stuff like that. But other than that, I never have trouble with what I'm going to talk about and the topics and stuff coming together. It's, it's, I got to give a shout out to God all the time because I never have to force a show. I've never had to force a show. It comes together without effort, <laughs> what I'm going to talk about, you know. Um, so it was interesting that that clip found me, as well as me feeling the need to post what I posted on social media and stuff. And what's interesting um, about all of that is, you know, talking about my former therapist and speaking about uh, the black woman that I was going to and if it wasn't for her, like pretty much going to her helped me figure out what my feelings were, how to express those feelings, how to acknowledge those feelings. I mean, it was it was right on time. It was definitely what I needed as a man, because as I've spoken about plenty of times before, I was a firecracker. I was a firecracker. I was always, always aggression and anger with me all the time. Um, and particularly with me holding stuff in, I would hold shit in all the time because I didn't have no outlet. I had nobody to go to, to talk about my feelings. You know, even if I tried, I would get talked about or laughed at or something for being soft or sensitive or too emotional, you know, whether it be from male friends or men in general, and even some some women. You know, it, I didn't have any safe spaces to do that before I started going to therapy. So it made sense that, you know, back in my, my 20s, pretty much all of my 20s, how much of a firecracker I was, how angry I was. And I was suffering from depression. Suffering from depression, suffering from anxiety, and I didn't have no no outlet, you know. I didn't start going to uh, my former therapist. I didn't start going to her until I think I was, what, I'm, I just turned 39, so maybe when I was 35, I don't know. Granted, I did go to a therapist uh, in my early thir- 30s, 
but he was a white male and it just didn't click. You know, um, he gave good advice, but he didn't understand the struggles of being a black man or a black person, you know, and the dynamics of uh, the black family and <laughs> anybody know uh being in a black family and dealing with feelings and emotions and particularly a, a black male is is no safe spaces in 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 that area <laughs> it really isn't none at all so yeah that that clip was i felt like it was right on time it was deep um it resonated with what i'm going through now uh, some things in my personal life as well as uh, emotionally and mentally. Um, I, I've never had, like I said, I've never had safe spaces to go to um, before therapy. Um, I, would, my, I would have my mentor some mentors sometimes where I can go to. Um, but, yeah, I kept a lot of shit bottled up. I mean, I still have a lot of stuff bottled up. Still have a lot of uh, resentment towards people, towards things, towards myself. Um, yeah, it's, it's no safe spaces for guys. Like even in the, the group of guys, your male friends, you won't find too many groups of male friends that it's a safe space for them to actually have their feelings. You'll have, you'll have the guys, you know, joking about you being too sensitive or emotional You'll have the the guys that's all hard all day long, <laughs> and you know uh, that that think just having feelings is weak and stuff. So you know it's just no safe spaces. But uh, even beyond that clip, I went ahead and, and just watched the whole episode. The whole episode was like forty minutes, and the whole conversation started because of uh, the death of Vincent Jackson, who was a former football, uh, another former NFL player. He was 38 years old, and they found him in the hotel room dead. And they said he was in there for like three days or something. I don't know the full story about it. So um, I hope I didn't get anything wrong. Um, but, yeah, they started off the podcast talking about uh, mental fitness. And the the, the um, I guess the head of the podcast is Brandon Marshall. And he's been open about his uh, mental health struggles. Um, I believe he's bipolar. Um, he has a he has a, a nonprofit organization as well that deals with uh, helping people with mental illness and stuff like that. So um, look look up Brandon Marshall. There's a few Brandon Marshalls, but he's the Brandon Marshall that um, <laughs> was a wide receiver. Um, I'm trying to think of something else that would distinguish him, but. Let me see what his organization is called. I follow him on Instagram, but I don't remember the exact name of the organization. So let me let me look it up. Um, yeah, his name is Brandon Tyrone Marshall. Okay, his organization is called Project Three Seventy Five. Uh, It was it's, it was uh, created to help promote awareness of mental health and the stigma 
and raise. Joan just cut off on me. Yeah, but it's a, a mental health organization. It was founded by him and his uh his wife. I believe her name is pronounced Michi, but it's called Project 375, project375.org. Um So yeah, he's very open about um his mental health uh his mental health struggles in the past and stuff. So um uh I'm all for that. But yeah, they started the podcast off, you know, uh well he started the podcast off asking, you know, the guys about where their mental fitness was and, you know, from one to ten. And, you know, he started off saying his mental fitness was right now at a ten. And um he asked all the other guys and a couple of of the other guys were saying how, you know, every other aspect of their life is 10, but with their mental fitness, they don't know, or it was like at a, a, a seven or eight, like Chad Ocho Cinco, he said his was at a seven with, you know, everything that he's going through. And Brandon, he kind of like, I won't say challenged them on that, but he asked him, he was like, are you sure, you know, your mental fitness is at a seven right now with what you're going through? And Chad, you know, he said, um, yeah, because if it was anything lower than a seven, I wouldn't be able to walk around right now. Um, but what I found interesting about, uh, I believe, like, <laughs> when Brandon Marshall asked him, is he sure, I I felt the energy from Chad, like, he was kind of like, you know, why are you challenging me on this? Um, and that's a common thing when it comes to the guys. It's all like I like I said. It's always about aggression, and it's always about you know not feeling weak or somebody challenging your your um, your masculinity or something like that. And that, that's just how it is. I mean, I, it wasn't frustrating to me until I started going to therapy and started understanding feelings and stuff like that. And, you know, guys in particular, black, you know, black guys and, you know, some women, some black women, they look at it as though, you know, um, a man having emotions is is weak. It's, it's soft. He's soft. You know, we look at emotions as only as a feminine thing. You know, we don't look at it as being masculine and feminine is just being human you know that's part of the the balance of life that's part of the balance of being a, a human being having emotions is human it, that's what it is having emotions is human as simple as that we have to normalize that emotions aren't masculine or feminine they're human point blank period um it's like just being being around guys period it's always like this sense of 
we've been trained to always compete with each other. We've always been, and it, it'd be crazy too because all guys know this, but but you will have guys that will straight act like they not caring about no other guy and what he doing, and it just like it'd be complete bullshit. Like it really do. It'd be complete bullshit. Like niggas be trying to compete with each other. Dudes be trying to compete with each other, whether they want to admit it or not. Silent competition or whatever. Like, you'll have some guy saying, there's nothing wrong with healthy competition. Yeah, if you playing a game, but this is life. <laughs> you know, it shouldn't be, there's no such thing as healthy competition when it comes to life. That shit is unhealthy, bro. If you If you claim to be friends or brothers and all this other bullshit, That ain't, you know, that don't, that don't fly. But in turn, you'll have, like, guys be, guys be so into their insecurities and their emotions and stuff, they, it's hard for them to even be aware, acknowledge, or accept them being jealous of some, another guy or, you know, thinking that they're wrong or anything like that. It's like it's like certain guys, if not all, always have to present themselves as being the strongest in the group. It's always about proving something. And like and as I say, you know, guys that act like excuse me, burp too. Burp three, I'm so sorry. Guys that act like they're not insecure, they don't have any insecurities and stuff like that. But they'll make jokes. If you get into a disagreement or an argument, you'll they'll make certain slick comments and then you'll you'll begin to see how they really look at you or how they feel about you based off of that stuff like that. I mean, this is constant like throughout my throughout my life I've I've seen it all the time. Personally experienced it as well as seen it. Like and 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 me I have done it as well, particularly when, you know, I was deep into my my ish. I was in deep depression, uh experiencing uh anxiety without knowing it. I had my insecurities. I would compare myself to guys, whether it be based off of material, materialistic stuff or be based off of how, you know, their life was going and how my life was going. You know, anything, any any place that those insecurities, those uh, that self-doubt, that lack of confidence, that low self-esteem would take you. I've experienced it. I've seen other people do it. But it's like we feel as though that's just how we supposed to be, so we'll continue it. There aren't, like I said, there aren't many safe spaces when it comes to groups of guys. It's like we're afraid of even trying to have a serious conversation. It don't even have to be serious. It's just, it's it's real life. We we look as though as 
real-life situations as being serious. And a lot of times, I, I, I definitely understand how, you know, a lot of times when we hang out with our boys, that we just want it to be a, a chill, peaceful situation where we just, you know, vibing out, hanging out, having a good time joking and stuff like that. Because we're trying to get away, we're trying to get away from life, the stresses of life, the stresses without significant other or whatever. You know, that's and and to some degree it's a safe space for us because we're getting away from what we see as the bullshit with, you know, work, money problems, trying to be a provider. Um if our significant other is not giving us what we want or nagging or something like that, some type of drama. But it's like when we get in those safe spaces, we never make time for real conversations. It's not that we can't have a good time and, you know, joke or whatever, but it's like we should start making time to have real conversations. Like, I've been to therapy for years and I specifically remember being how it's recommended to just make time for certain things everything doesn't have to be serious or you know trying to heal or work things out you know you have to experience life as well but at the same time be intentional about making time to have certain conversations have you know with with people, with whether it's your significant other or your your family members, your parents, your brother, sister, be intentional about making time for those things. And I I gotta be honest, I don't I don't do that shit. I don't stay up on it. I I don't I'm not always intentional about when I journal or when I gotta do certain homework assign when I had to do certain homework assignments for therapy and stuff like that. I would hold hold stuff off and procrastinate and then have to do it at the last minute and not really getting nothing out of it or don't do it at all so it's like we have to start being intentional about certain things we can still have our joke and fun time or whatever but we have to start being intentional about creating safe spaces for each other and I know some women will hate for me to say this but a lot of the times, it's not a safe space for us when we're in a relationship with a significant other to come with them with stuff, you know, because as I said on the last episode, it's not really, there's there's times when in that relationship, there aren't any, there isn't any time for a man's problems or issues or whatever, because we... We're looked at as having to be strong all the time or having our stuff together or we have to worry about competing with the next man because of the way society is with the material aspect of it or <laughs> it's so deep. <laughs> it's so deep. I mean, I can I can go on, on and on and on. Um, but, yeah, we got to get to the point where we are. As as I'm naming this episode, we have to start manscaping the emotional wall or walls that we have up. You know, when we when we get together, 
we have to be intentional and make time to have these conversations. And 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 just as a man, as a black man, I ain't gonna lie. I feel uncomfortable at times when I have serious conversations with other men, you know, one, because I understand it. I'm currently going through it or I went through it or I haven't confronted it yet. So I find myself having to do it right then and there when I'm listening to somebody else, you know. And as I said, we don't want to look weak. It's like we don't want to look weak. (laughs) Man, we just... We've been programmed and programmed and programmed for for years, and we're suffering because of it. We're getting in, into bad relationships. We don't know how to express ourselves. We don't know what we're feeling. Um, so we're running around just acting wild or whatever, you know. And then it, one of the things that's always a part of this is, you know, since us guys don't really sit and have real com- real life conversations, I'm not going to say serious. I'm going to say real life conversations. Real life conversations with each other. We'll look at it, you know, oh, Dirk, you know, he got a good government job. Uh, he got a, a townhouse. He got a car. He, you know, he's, he's doing well for himself. There's nothing wrong with him. You know, it shouldn't be. Like I've said before, like, when I first started my blog, greatestiamblog.com, a lot of guys were shocked that I was suffering from depression and anxiety. Like a lot of them still don't believe it to this day. I can tell based off of the comments that they make by the simple fact that they still, whether it's their insecurities or not, they still seem to find, despite me being vulnerable about all the things that I've been through, they will still find it as me being <laughs> whatever, cocky or arrogant or whatever. It's just, it's, it's like the weirdest thing to me. Like, I I don't get it. <laughs> I, I don't get it, but I get it. <laughs> um Yeah, we, we got to do better. Yeah, it's like despite me being vulnerable or being open about, you know, the things that I've gone through and still go through to this day, my flaws and stuff like that, you know, a a reason to be threatened by me will still be in play. Instead of them looking as though, you know, maybe, you know, I got something going on with myself that's being reflected based off of you know, my interactions with, with Dirk and even vice versa. Like I, like I said, I've compared myself to people plenty of times before. And it wasn't until I actually started understanding that, you know, I was suffering from depression. I was suffering from anxiety. I had low self-esteem. I had a lack of confidence and I had social anxiety that I started to understand certain things, particularly like when I think about my social anxiety, I would have certain, I would know certain people that were were like crazy outgoing and stuff like that. And I would feel insecure about that. And it would be to the point where I would feel so insecure about it in certain moments 
that I would judge them or look at them funny for being outgoing. You know, <coughs> that ain't got nothing to do with me. Them being outgoing ain't got nothing to do with me. It had all to do with me suffering from social anxiety. And you can, I can throw out plenty of stories like that. But it's like, if every guy that I'm interacting with is not doing the same thing, how do you deal with, you know, people who are projecting their insecurities and stuff onto you and trying to make it seem as though you got the problem? You know, and that's how it is in the dynamic of guys because of the masculinity, the machismo, all that. It's just a straight up, it's a straight up problem. So we got to do better. We got to have these safe spaces. We got to be more open or whatever. You know, I mean, shit, guys need to start going to therapy. I'm sorry. (laughs) Like, it's the greatest thing in the world to me, therapy. <laughs> like it's, it's just so helpful. Like and it got any, and I say this all the time. Nobody is immune to mental mental uh, illness. Nobody is immune. So if if you, I know people who who act like they got it all together all the time. And I just be like, oh, <laughs> you know, I just I just pray that it don't hit them hard. Like it, you know, it hit me hard from you know trying to separate myself from my feelings and emotions and stuff like that but going to therapy and I understand this it's not easy for everybody to go to therapy you know everybody's insurance doesn't cover everything and stuff like that but it you know is you got your EAP and stuff like that you know it's it's ways that you can get around it but my whole point is just try it just try it and it ain't got to be all deep where you dealing with depression or anxiety, you, you might just want to get some stuff off your chest that you can't get it, you can't get off with your wife or your girl or your brother, your sister, your mother, father, you know, just talk, <laughs> talk, <laughs> you know, we are all human, ain't, ain't nobody out here Hercules, man, fuck that shit, <laughs> like, <laughs> um, yeah, so, we have to have these, uh, these real life conversations, healthy conversations. We have to have these open spaces for guys. But you have to, we have to start first. You have to start, um, you have to start with yourself first because a lot of the things that you experience and you feel based off of other people is, is really coming from the inside. But the reflection is coming off of the people that you're dealing with. And let me play a clip that I forgot to play um, that ties into all of this. Bro, I get it. Us men of a certain shade, we're not used to talking. But that's therapy, right? Talking. It doesn't always have to be that deep. You can just talk about everyday stuff. I, uh, I appreciate the offer, Darnell, but uh, I'm well aware of what my issues are, all right? 
Running suits me just fine. Speaking of which, uh, thanks for the chat. Don't mention it. All right. And that was uh, Omar Epson. Uh, what's his name? Uh, shoot, what's his name? I got it. I gotta start doing better with having this stuff together. <laughs> but, um, what's his name? He's a good actor. Uh, but that was Omar Epps. That was a scene with Omar Epps and um, Sterling K. Brown. Yes, Sterling K. Brown. And I believe that was from This Is Us. I believe it was. I'm pretty sure it was from This Is Us. Um, and that was a clip that I I had in my phone for, shoot, I think a year or maybe two. But, yeah. And you see that clip right there. I forgot to play it, but I'm glad I forgot to play it because after saying all I had to say, and then that clip just reinforced everything that I was talking about. And this is what we would do. Like, even before I started going back to therapy, meeting with uh, the black the black uh, woman therapist, I was in the gym five, six days a week, sometimes seven, working out all the time. And my mentor, he used to say to me all the time, yeah, it's cool, you know, you you looking good and everything like that, but you got to you gotta get yourself together inside and, and, and mentally, emotionally and stuff like that. He kept saying, you know, go to therapy and stuff like that, come to church and, and, and whatever. But I was just brushing it off. I was like, nah, I'm good, you know. I'm working out, you know, this is my therapy right here. <laughs> that shit don't always work. That working out don't always work. That punching on the punching bag don't always work. I mean, I got a punching bag right upstairs. You know, it's cool just to get off some temporary anger that build up in you. But that shit don't help long term, you know. You still holding on to it. It's just like even with crying. Shit. I know a lot of men don't cry. On that clip that I played with um, I Am Athlete podcast with Ocho Cinco and stuff, Ocho Cinco started crying when he was talking about his mom. And in effect, that made Brandon Marshall start crying. And they was, you know, crying in front of each other. You know, you know that shit ain't going to be happening like that in front of, <laughs> in front of dudes on a regular basis. And it's just like if you if you hold stuff in, man, it's just a, it's like a buildup. Like it's been plenty of times where like I used to talk to my therapist. I used to tell her that, you know, I want to cry, but I'm having difficulty. Like it won't come out. Like I was literally stressing, trying to cry. I was stressing myself out, trying to make sure that I cried <laughs> because, you know, I know I, I knew I needed it because I haven't done it in a long time. It was like years. Um. And it's crazy because, like, the times that I finally did cry or whatever, it would be like a struggle. It was like my body was so used to fighting, not crying, that when the tears started rolling, my body already went into automatic mode where it was trying to hold it in. Like, I was doing the, the <laughs> doing that type of stuff, the struggling type shit, you know? And it's like, your mind programs your body. So my mind was so in tune with not, crying that my body automatically went into stop mode when the tears start rolling and I even feel weird about saying this I cried a few times uh last week um and it wasn't well I ain't gonna say it wasn't for no particular reason but it was 
it was like built up shit. It was built up shit that I've had. It was like it was literally when I started crying and I was like thinking about why I'm crying. It was shit from years ago that I was holding on to. But it was like your body needs that release, just like your body needs to go to the bathroom to release the the toxic waste or, you know, the the <laughs> the bad things in your body. That's the same way with, with crying. It's just another form, just the way your body needs to sweat to release toxins when you work out and stuff. Crying is the same way. And I feel so weird about even saying that. But, yeah, I cried a few times this this past week or whatever um but yeah it felt it felt good but at the same time I know it wasn't enough because I because my body was went into that automatic response of fighting it so I know I didn't truly get it out but you know it's it's a start you know it's a start <laughs> but yeah I ain't gonna lie I was feeling weak as shit I was like man what the fuck I'm crying over this shit for why I'm worried about this shit you know this is the stuff that go through my mind because you know the way I look at it particularly when you know I was in my 20s you know I'm nigga I'm hard you know what I'm saying don't shit affect me you know and to the <laughs> and to them bricks fall on your whole body <laughs> and you know I don't want I don't want people to go through that particularly black men I don't want them to go through that because I know I know that they're going through it and it's crazy because I'm the person that like I like to sit back and analyze the room and analyze people and stuff. So I see reflections of myself and the things that I've gone through in majority of the guys that I hang out with. I see it and I know that they're going through something and I know exactly what they're going through. But I can't say nothing to them because they'll get offended or they'll or they'll or they'll go bring it back on me and try to, you know, insult me or something, you know? So it's like, what do you do? All I can do is be an example. That's all I can do is be an example. And I hope, you know, my example is, is helping because I'm not doing it for no likes or to get attention and shit like that. This is real shit to me because people don't know some of the closest people to me don't know the shit that I think about and the shit that's gone through my mind or the feelings and emotions that, you know, I've gone through. So this ain't this ain't no play play stuff to me. Like this is it's, this is crucial to me. Me getting help is crucial to me. The fact that I had to sit there and tell myself, nah, chill on this this therapy break shit. You need to get back in therapy. That was that was crucial to me because. Although I understand that healing is a is not linear, it will go on forever, and there will be certain levels of things that you, I will have to heal from, and just period people like this is this is levels to it, you know. The more and more relationships that you have with people, work, life, significant other, and certain things are going to be pulled out of you, or excuse me, reflected towards you that you have to heal from and you got to expand on that healing. So it's like, I still got, you know what I'm saying? I still got more healing to do. Um, and my focus is to be intentional about it. And that was all about, you know, my blog, be intentional about things that I do in life, period. Because a lot of the times of me not being intentional, I 
abandoned myself. I rejected myself because I wasn't intentional about the things that I was doing. Whether it was me putting my energy towards helping somebody else or chasing after somebody or worrying about if this person likes me or if I'm worthy or if they love me and stuff like that. I was giving all, intentionally giving all of my, well, I ain't even going to say intentionally because a lot of it was just my patterns, my my behavior, what I was, what I learned as being a child. So, yeah, I'm not even going to say intentionally, but my focus, like I said, is for me to be more intentional about it. I have to be intentional about putting myself first and healing and, you know, getting in touch with myself, knowing who I am, liking myself, doing things that make me happy, doing things that make me feel good. You know, I have to be more intentional about that. And that's what my blog was about. And if you haven't read it yet, go to greatestiamblog.com. It'll take you a minute, two minutes at the most to read. Uh, My blogs are never really that long. I get right to the point and say how I feel. I don't, you know, check it out. I am intentional. And check out the rest of my blog and, and share it with somebody that it can help. Share this episode with somebody that it can help. You know, it doesn't cost you nothing to share the episode to help nobody. And that's another thing that I've told myself I'm going to be intentional about. Um, When I decide to help other people, I'm going to be intentional about it, not worrying about, well, am I going to look a certain way for helping this person? Are they going to look at it like I'm trying to get something out of them or am Am I trying to holler at them or something? You know, some some bull crap that's out here in society that you can't do nothing nice for somebody without it being an ulterior motive about. I'm just trying to be intentional about helping helping myself and helping other people in the process. I was going to get into more of my blog, but check the blog out and read it, and I'll go into it next episode. Well, I'm going to play this last clip, and then we're going to get out of here. All right, let me pull it up. Uh, Let me see. I appreciate y'all, you know, taking the time to listen and all the people who who have been sharing the podcast, particularly this season, like, because it's it's been surprising to me. Um, I've gotten a lot of attention so far with this season and people sharing it on social media and stuff. So I appreciate y'all. I, oh, man, I appreciate y'all. Like, I really do. Um, y'all keeping me going, listening to the podcast, liking it when I post the the new episodes and sharing it and stuff. Y'all keeping me going because I'm just trying to, like I said, I'm just trying to help people, man. I'm trying to help myself and help other people. But let me pull up the clip. With this one woman, right? And let's say this one woman, um, just for the sake of conversation, no disrespect, but let's say this one woman... Is a freak and he goes over there late at night and gets you know you know can gets his freak on he never has any desire to marry her but you know he gets his freak on because you know she wild girl and turns him out whatever and then they say that this girl over here freak on because you know she wild girl and turns him out whatever and then they say that this girl over here you know she, she may not be that that you know that, that type of you know party girl but she's 
she's loving, you know what I'm saying? So he goes over there, you know, and she cook him a nice little meatloaf dinner at two in the morning. And, you know, he go over there, whatever. And let's say a little meatloaf sandwich with some, with some chips. Bread. Yeah, with some chips. Some Lay's yeah, chips. Yeah. Red and blue Lay's. Okay. It's my turn. It's my All turn. Right. It's my turn. And so... <laughs> and then let's say he goes over here and then let's say he's with this, you know, you know, um, maybe she was his first, you know what I'm saying? So he's got all this soul ties with her. You know what I mean? You know, she don't really, you know, you know, you know, you know it, it, it like she dope, but that's his first. And so, and, and then, and then like maybe she's, you know, over, she's a good girl, you know what I'm saying? She's like, you know, and you know, just whatever you want to do. I don't care what you want to do, you know, whatever you want to do. So, so now he's got all these five spirits. And he's got all these five different personalities that have fed five different appetites in him. He gets married and puts out five spirits on that one woman. And you know what it does to that one woman? When he puts the spirit on that five, on that five spirits on that one woman, it makes that one woman do this. And she's living her marriage with the weight of these five spirits. And every time you go to bed with her, she feel like he's not with me. He's with one of them. And what we're not taught is, is that if we don't go, if we don't go through the divine divorce of divorcing our hearts and souls from them spirits, we will never get to enjoy who God made her to be until we divorce those other spirits. And that was uh, Kirk Franklin talking. I guess he was on some, he was on the stage talking. Um, okay, let me, let me see. I thought this topic, that clip was interesting. I thought it, it tied into, you know, black men and our feelings and stuff like that. And this is essentially what I was talking about with um, us not having safe spaces and us, you know, trying to find safe spaces to be fulfilled in in uh, life. And this, and I, and, and I do agree with him to a certain extent. I do. But at the same time, I feel as though he was only right on a surface level. Instead of instead of him, you know, saying all the stuff that he was saying, um, which it wasn't wrong. It wasn't wrong. I feel like the focus should be on that man going within and knowing himself and the trauma that has led him to move to move that way. You know, um, and I feel like it's not even a man thing either. I feel like he was trying to make it seem as though it was a man thing. He was playing to the crowd. The crowd was, was majority women. That's a man and woman thing. You know, that's a human thing. Uh, we can't just make that a man thing. This is the reason why men don't talk. Because we feel as though we're blamed for everything. We feel as though even if we came 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 out and was vulnerable or open about ways that we're feeling and stuff like that, we are going to be demonized for it because that's how it's been throughout life, you know? 
we have we've been grown up to be demonized with being open and vulnerable, whether it was from our father, sometimes our mother, or even if our father wasn't in the picture, or if our mother wasn't in the picture, or they were both in the picture, but they were they weren't emotionally present. You know, all of this, what he was speaking about on the clip, to a deeper level, it's about not relying on validation, not relying on acceptance, and not relying on love from another person, you know? It's easy for for women to get together and talk about, you know, their emotions and feelings or whatever. You know, I'm not going to get deep into the woman side of it, for one, because I'm not a woman, and two, because it is Women's Empowerment Month. <laughs> but men moving as such, as Kirk Franklin was saying, you know, moving, going from woman to woman or whatever, he's right that they shouldn't be, you know, moving from woman to woman the way that he explained it. But that's how that man is trying to seek safe safety. You know, I'm not saying this right. I'm totally not saying this right. But we have to understand that men and women, a lot of the things that we do have been based off of how we've been raised, programmed, or whatever as a child. Go back to my episode... Uh, childish inside when I was talking about the inner child and people don't know their inner child we have a, a lot of us particularly in the black community we have a lot of inner child trauma and we don't address it and going back to the love languages episode that is coming I promise you it's coming our love languages are based off of how we were raised as a child how our our interactions with our parents it's just as simple as that. That man isn't wrong for having these different appetites because those appetites are a part of him. The problem is, why is he seeking so many different people to fulfill those appetites? Even when that man gets married, in any even without getting married, being in a relationship, your significant other is never going to fulfill each and every one of your appetites. That's why you have to be strong within in order to fulfill them for yourself. You can't put the burden of a significant, you can't put the burden of all your problems on your significant other. And another thing, when it comes to friends, we have to stop looking at friends as the same as significant others. Those are two different types of relationships. You would never go to your coworker and try to look, you wouldn't go to your coworker and look at them and expect the same things that your, your significant other gives you. So don't expect it from your friends. Those are two different types of relationships. And you will find a lot of people who will try to expect and demand the same things out of a friend that they want out of a significant other people. We have to stop using 
we have to stop looking at every relationship as the same thing. All relationships are different. All relationships are supposed to fulfill different needs. So we have to stop doing it. We, I'm saying we, that includes me. <laughs> but I'm going to end the episode here. I can go on and on. We're an uh, hour and 30 minutes in. I'm going to end this with a song. Since um, the big documentary came out and it was so good, um, I'm going to play some Notorious B.I.G. Um, what, is my, what am I going to play? Um I'm going to play this one. I got this one on my uh, my workout list, and it always makes me feel good. Um, this song is Sky's the Limit. Baby, look at me. Mama love you. And I know you ain't no little boy no more, but you always be my baby. It seems like only yesterday I was holding you in my arms Now look at you now, big one. But I worry about you I worry about you all the time Hanging out on the corner all times of night with the cool people Baby, that ain't nothing but trouble I always taught you that you could have whatever you dream Well, I want you to hold on to that dream, baby Say you stick and sit apart, Because the sky's the limit Taste to consider podcast. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. How's everybody doing tonight? All right. I'd like to welcome All to the right. stage All the lyrically acclaimed. Right. I like this young man because when he came out, he came out with the phrase. He went from ashy to classy. You can find the Taste to Consider podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Like, share, and download. A nigga never been as broke as me. I like that. When I was young, I had two male leads. Besides that, the pinstripes and the gray. Uh-huh. The one I wore on Mondays and Wednesdays. Uh-huh. While niggas flirt, I'm sewing tigers on my shirt and alligators. Uh-huh. You wanna see the inside? Huh? I, I see, see you later. later. Here come the drama. Oh, that's that nigga with the fake. Uh-huh. Loud. Why you punch me in my face? Stay in your place. Play your position. Uh-huh. Here come my intuition. Uh-huh. Go in this nigga pocket. Rob him while his friends watch it. That hoes clocking. Uh-huh. Here comes respect. But they, they might be next. Look at they man ah, big man, they never try. So we roll with them, uh, stole with them. I mean loyalty. Niggas bought me milks at lunch. The milks with chocolate, the cookies, butter crunch. Eighty eight, eyes cars and blue and white dust. That's the sky is the limit, and I know that you keep on, just keep on pressing on. Sky is the limit, and I know that you can have what you want, be what you want. Sky is the limit, and I know that you keep on, just keep. Place to consider podcast. I'm your host, Dirk Silver. Let's go. I was ashamed, my crew was lame. I had enough heart for most of them, long as I got stuff for most of them. Soft. Even when I was wrong, I got my point across. They depicted me the boss. Of course, my orange box cut to make the world go round. Plus, some fucking bitches ain't my homegirls now. Start stacking, dabbled in crack, gun packing. Nickname Medina, made the scene, took my Nina. From gym class to in glass, passed off for global. The only nigga with a mobile. Can't you see like total? Getting larger and wasting taste. Ain't no telling where the spelling is heading. 
Just in case, keep a shell at the tip of your melon Clear the space, your brain was a terrible thing, thing to waste yeah. 88 on gates, snatch initial nameplates Smoke your uh. splits with niggas, real life beginner killers uh. Praying God forgive us for being sinners, help us out Say Sickness to the Podcast, Apple Podcast, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, GreatestIAMBlog.com, Instagram, Greatest.I.AM.Blog. Say Sickness to the Podcast, Instagram. Break it down into sections. Drugs by these selections. Some use pipes, others use injections. Syringe sold separately. Frank the deputy. Took the gun, my Smith and Wesson, like my dick was missing. Should protect my position, my corner, my layer. While we out here, say the hustlers prayer. If the game shakes me or breaks me, I hope it makes me a better man. Take a better sting, put money in my mom's hand. Get my daughter this college plan, so she don't need no man. Stay far from timid, only make moves when your heart's in it. And let the phrase sky's the limit. Motherfucker, all trumps on top. You can't say this song don't make you feel good, don't get you hyped. Guys the limit. Say you sick and sit a podcast. We going into a new week. Sky's the limit on everything. Let's go. Let's say sick and sit a podcast. I'm your host, Dirk Silver. Talk to you next week. I'm out. <laughs>